This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 340, Superman versus the Kaiju. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so wise, was that he created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers of Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. My name is Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with my friend and yours, Evan, Evan David. Hello. And we are the two strangers, the two aliens uh, who are here to talk about some stuff. We are joined by a guest, and not only are we joined by a guest, we are actually not in our usual place. Normally, we're in our very comfortable control center, uh, sitting on a couch. Evan normally would be curled up on the love seat over there, but uh, unfortunately, um, we are not there right now. We are actually on Mount Monster Island. And so <laughs> that voice you just heard, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. <laughs> Our <Hi>. host. <laughs> Hello, strangers and aliens. I am Nathan Marchand, the host and curator of the Monster Island Film Vault podcast. And it's great having you guys here. I had you on the show just a few months ago, actually, Ben, talking about King Kong 76. That was a lot of fun. And actually, I have in my notes for this episode a reference to King Kong 76. Oh, that should be cool. Yeah. So, Evan, have you been having a good time here so far? I mean, it was a small miracle that I got you guys here because the island, like most of the rest of the world, got put into lockdown because of the coronavirus. Um, Well, I'm still confused about which monster island I'm on. Am I... (laughs) In you know the Godzilla universe, or I'm at Marvel universe. Is this Dinosaur Island for DC? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> you are a true nerd, my friend. You yeah, thank you. To, to clarify, <laughs> yes, you are on the Godzilla Monster Island. Actually, ah. although I, I am tickled to death at actually how many places use the name monster island because yes there's one in marvel there's dinosaur island in dc and there's also an asylum movie called monster island that the board of directors here on this island is a little perturbed at because they didn't ask to use that name well uh, here's my question i mean we're we're doing we're, we're social distancing here so jimmy your usual um sidekick yes he's not even my, around uh, he intrepid- doesn't he doesn't want to catch a virus from us or, or whatever it might be yeah. uh to yeah. social yeah, distance though person. we are all yeah. sitting on top of the head of our favorite kaiju right now <laughs> and so i would like you to please tell us who have you chosen to sit upon your favorite kaiju and i'll i'll just tell you right now i am sitting on um not my favorite kaiju but close to it i'm, I'm sitting on gamera's head right now 
And uh, I'm just hoping he keeps his head extended and doesn't pull it back into the shell while I'm still sitting on it. So, gentlemen, what? Are, who are you sitting on right now? Uh, well, he's not. I don't. I don't know if he's my favorite, but I'm sitting on Orga. Right here. <laughs> not not on his shoulder, but on his head. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure he has any shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> another head you don't want to be pulled into for sure <laughs> like all right excellent i'm hanging, I'm hanging out with Angerus as much as i as much as i want to hang out with godzilla you know he's uh he's sunbathing right now so you know, yeah. i have to leave him alone for today <laughs> and i just don't see him sitting still for someone to sit on his head right now you know like, i just think he's gonna nope. be doing his own thing but we're, we're in we're in visual distance of each other um and I, I want to say you've you've done a good job with the island keeping it keeping it up to date and keep just the upkeep, the general uh, landscaping and everything. Nathan, it's <laughs> it's looking great in spite of all the stuff that's going around in the world today. So uh, kudos to you, sir. Yeah, we have a great team here on Monster Island, and unfortunately, well, or fortunately, depending how you want to look at it, they are considered essential workers. So. We have to keep everything going, even though we don't have any tourists here, other than you two gentlemen. Well, somebody has to keep the monsters happy and healthy. <laughs> Otherwise, they would run amok, and we'd have That's problems. That's never happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Sarcasm sign. Hey, uh, <laughs> speaking of Monster Island and just the absurdity of it, um, I have a book that I want to do a live Facebook reading of called Godzilla Roar. <laughs> And it is a children's book that's yes, all about all the fun, wonderful stuff that Godzilla likes to do with the other monsters. He likes to wrestle with them. Uh, he likes to you know, spend time with them. It ends with him taking a nap with them. They all choose their spot where they want to nap. And he, of course, chooses to go under the water. But uh, it's really, really funny in context of what Godzilla actually is and does. I just think it was – it's cute. <laughs> yeah, I actually am a little jealous. I remember – when that book was published, it was back in 1998 when the, the TriStar movie came out. And that was one of the ones I actually kind of thought, well, maybe I should get that. But I didn't. However, I did have the Mark Saraceni YA novels that were published at that time. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing is the the creature design is not TriStar's design at all. It is classic no. and yeah. uh, and also just wildly hilarious to me because of how inaccurate uh, – you know, they're just like wrestling and tickling each other. It's just the thing. I know, I know. It, it's something I, I. It's something I will definitely be talking to the Monster Island librarian about adding to the library. Yeah, yeah. Nice. beautiful artwork in it, by the way. Uh, it, it's beautiful artwork. But hey, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about superheroes. Evan, Evan, this is a podcast episode long in the making, and we're finally getting yes. to it. Uh, tell us, what are we going to be talking about today? Today, as you may have guessed, because of our location and what we are sitting on, uh, we're talking about <laughs> we're talking about giant monsters, kaiju, but a very specific niche uh, of that genre, which is Superman, the Man of Steel versus creatures such as this. This and, is why I was so happy you invited me to do this, Evan, because I get an excuse to talk about two of my favorite things: Superman and kaiju. <laughs> yes. Well, Superman is, uh, any regular listeners know, he's my favorite fictional character. And uh, there are a good number of of uh, comics or uh, episodes or whatever, stories of him fighting giant monsters. And I knew 
that uh, Nathan was a big is a big fan, obviously, of, of that stuff. And so has Ben. So I thought this would make a good episode. So we're going to talk about some comic books. We're going to talk about some animated episodes of um, the Superman animated series, the Fleischer original Superman cartoons. And we'll also be talking about some Justice League stuff. Doesn't feature Superman, but does feature Supergirl. Yes. So definitely part of the family. And uh, so we're going to start with uh, another little thing that was kind of interesting. The comics that we're going to talk about is Superman issue number 162 and 163. Uh, which when you handed these to me originally, Evan, I thought it was for a different reason, because that front cover of that first issue <laughs> says Superman, not versus Kaiju, not versus the monster Superman versus Aquaman. Yeah, <laughs> I thought of that myself. We've got a nice little trifecta here for me of of comic books. Yeah, Superman, Aquaman and a giant monster. So, so what do you want to do? Comics. Here? Yeah, well. These comics are some of the comics. Uh, I, I was reading them. They're they're in the the Jeff Loeb run of Superman and Ed uh, McGinnis. Yep, yep. That era that started just before the year two thousand and went for a couple years, ending with the giant event of uh, our world at war, and maybe a, a little bit oh, after yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, a good one too. Oh yes. This is my favorite era of comic books, period. And it's the reason I love comic books. I was re- I was rereading some of the issues tonight, and I was like, oh, this is it. This is why I'm here with the comic books. Um, yeah, I got to tell you, when I was reading through them, because I've read through these issues a couple of times now, and the entire time I was thinking to myself, man, I'm w- I miss when comics were like this, when yep. they were just telling stories and they weren't getting interrupted by whatever big event was going on every five minutes in the comics and there, there and it was you know there were ongoing storylines but each issue was or you know every couple of issues did have its own little story that you could follow because when you look at these two issues there's definitely bigger things that are going on there's an mm-hmm. overarching story that's going on a couple of them really but if you only wanted to read these two issues you would be perfectly fine yep yeah, what's interesting, though, is on that cover, though, you've got uh, it says 2043 and then 2047. That symbol there, they were crossing over all the Superman books, weren't they? Like this is number 43 yes. and the number 44 was in a different comic. It was in action comics or something like that. And and then so you're able to follow along this longer thing. I, that's why I found it interesting. This is a direct sequel. Uh, yeah, these, this these the are back one. to back for some reason. Yeah, yeah. But they also had Vote Lex 2000 on the cover. Yes, <laughs> this is which which does date it. <laughs> yeah, but this is the beginning of Lex Luthor's bid for the presidency, which mm-hmm. he eventually won. Yes, and I got to tell you, the those parts with Lex running for president. They were actually a little bit scary because I'm like, I think I've seen this in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff like this. And I've heard the jokes, too. So, (laughs) oh, man, (laughs) I don't recommend we jump into the politics of these issues. That's a minefield. I don't feel like navigating. Well, let's talk about the monsters of these issues. Yes. So, yeah, Ben, I, I did give it to you, these issues, because of Aquaman, but also because I just love. I love that this is a little nice two-parter story, and it has a giant monster in it. And it has 
my favorite superhero team guest starring as well. Oh, yeah. I was excited when I saw that, too. Like, I think I know why. I <laughs> Now I understand why these got picked for everybody. <laughs> so I've read this a bazillion times. You guys tell me what you thought. I don't know how you want to do it, Ben. You want to you want to recap the story briefly? Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, Aquaman is not happy because Lex Luthor is uh, polluting the ocean. And so Aquaman kidnaps Lex Luthor because Luke's... I don't think it was. Po- it w- was it pollution or was it? It's sound anyway. pollution. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. It's, it's sound pollution. They talk about yeah. regular pollution, too. But the main thing is sound pollution is causing the marine life to go crazy and and act weird and including the Atlanteans, by the way. But mm-hmm. Aquaman gets aggressive, sends a uh, big old tidal wave toward Metropolis, holds it back and says, I'll let this go. I'm going to drop it if you don't give me Lex Luthor. And so they do. They kidnap Lex Luthor, take him down under the water. There's also a giant creature whale thing with legs yeah. that gets yes. sent into the city and doing giant monster things in the city. And so while Superman takes care of that uh, with the help of Teen Titans, they take care of the monster. No, it was Young Justice. No, Young Justice. Yeah, that's Teen Titans. It's, it's Robin. No. It's, you it's Kid Flash. It's what? Don't what you, listen to this. What are man. you talking about? What? He is wrong. They're the same thing. No, they're not. They're the exact same thing. You take it back. <laughs> <laughs> and they're driving their forever people tricycle. Yes, they and, are. And they uh, they help take care of the monster in some fun and unusual ways. And then Superman goes to rescue Lex Luthor only to find that, no, this is actually one of the first things that Lex Luthor is going to do to show that he should be president. He is He's going to talk with them and he's going to negotiate with them and Luthor gets a gets a win out of this yeah. and and so do the Atlanteans because Luthor is going to take care of business and help them by yeah and and then we had the crazy twist at the end where uh, some crazy woman shows up at one of uh, while well, he's getting into his limo and shoots him and th- he doesn't die but then the, the one of the last scenes is, is Luthor in the hospital and he makes a joke about it's like I planned this <laughs> Yeah, yeah. because they said it because the news report he was watching on TV said that he had gained six percentage points with voters after that happened. Yep. But I mean, for me, the main event was the monster stuff. Super. I expected more of just Superman by himself fighting the monster uh, when Teen Titans show up to help him. Stop it. What? Stop. (laughs) Stop what? I, I I'm just waiting for Evan to start googling what the difference is between the two teams. Just I, don't so he can, like, I really don't think he nothing. needs to Google. Yeah, I don't need to Google nothing. So it's more right. like you, you would only Google it so you could have proof, and it's not just you thinking on your feet right now. I was just I, I, was, I was curious where's Raven and Cyborg, but you know, <laughs> whatever. All right, Ben. So so what's your favorite parts about Superman <laughs> fighting the Submariner? Go ahead. Well, he doesn't actually fight Aquaman. He fights the monster. So <laughs> the monster does kind of look like it looks like a cross between a kaiju, a whale, and PD Piranha from Mario. Well, just so you know, just because I feel like showing my kaiju nerd cred here, the name uh, Godzilla's Japanese name Gojira is derived from the Japanese words for whale and gorilla. So. It actually makes some nice. weird sense. 
Yeah, this I... monster's name was Mragaga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a great joke. <laughs> By the way, I did run to Google on this because as I was reading this, uh, Lois Lane is narrating the whole thing and talking about journalism and talking about all these different things. And she brings up the fact that Superman has his underoos on the outside and says, Batman does that. No one bats an eye, but Superman does that. And suddenly he's Captain Underpants. I had to look <laughs> because Captain Underpants, I know it was old, but I didn't know how old Captain Underpants predates this issue. Huh. He is older than this issue. Now I don't know if the phrase Captain Underpants um, was created by Dave Pilkey. I'm guessing not. But um, my son is on a huge Dave Kil- Pilkey pick, uh, kick, huge Dave Pilkey kick right now. <laughs> He's reading all the Captain Underpants, all the uh, uh, Super Diaper Baby, um, Dog Man, all that stuff. And and so I was just like, that's interesting. I knew this is old because I have the first edition of the first book from when I was an educator. And and that was just one of the things I was picking up, just what, what are the kids reading right now. But, yeah, it was very interesting to me. So I love the. I also love these issues because of the cameos and the way that Superman deals with some stuff. So like Lori Lamaris is in here, and anytime you can put Lori Lamaris in a Superman book, I'm all for it. And if you don't know, that's Superman's ex girlfriend who is also a mermaid. Um, canon, <laughs> always canon. And uh, they've also got Tempest, aka Aqualad, and he's kind of the one who confronts Superman with the tidal wave. <laughs> And I love how Superman takes him out at super speed. He just comes and puts his index finger under the side of Tempest's neck and just knocks him out. <laughs> yeah. well, well, in in mid sentence for Tempest because yes. he was yes. taunting him, and then when he finishes the sentence, suddenly Superman's behind him. Yes, and then he hangs him on a flagpole and just leaves him there. So good. Um, I like yeah, and- I like the the Clark Kent stuff that was going at the beginning of the first issue in this two-parter where Luthor is announcing his bid for the presidency and who his running mate is going to be Pete Ross. I know. Yes. And then it's Pete Ross, his old childhood friend. And and Lois is like, well, man, they scooped us, you know, daily planet doesn't get the story, but don't you just want to go see your parents? And so he just <laughs> flies off to Smallville and pretends like he was just visiting his parents. He just happened to be there when, when this is going on. But then uh, all the photographers that are there are taking pictures of Luthor, Pete Ross, and Clark. And it's on the front page of every newspaper except for the Daily Planet. And yep. this is something that Perry White is not happy about. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, that a lot of the stuff that you're talking about – I, much like Evan, I was reading that. I was like, man, I missed this era of comics when Lois and Clark were married and they were happy and his parents were still around and he could go talk to him. It was I miss that era of Superman. I really do. Well, it's coming back ish. They've got a yeah, kid ish. now. Yeah, I have I have opinions about Brian Michael Bendis. Well, that should sounds like a post credit conversation, um, but yeah. So yeah, I love that part too, Ben. And I love I love the art, and I love how Lex Luthor's like got his sleeves rolled up, and he's got his top button undone, and he's acting all down home, whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 great subplot yeah. stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the main event, honestly, you know, is it's clever. It's a clever fight, but I was just expecting more of a Superman versus a kaiju 
kind of yeah. thing, and, and less of a Superman goes fishing with the Teen Titans. <laughs> that was a joke. That actually was a joke. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because uh, Lois makes a comment later about how uh, Superman went to Clark went to go uh, went fishing. Yeah. Yes. But it's a literal. I mean, that that's basically what they do, and yeah. it works. It, it's clever, and it's not bad writing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It just no, wasn't what I was it expecting. Is, it is incredibly witty. I was writing down a lot of the a lot of great lines that I had in there. Actually, one of my favorite comments was the the way the kaiju is defeated, or Arg. Yes, <laughs> the way he gets beat is actually it was uh, it was Robin, and who was with him? Wonder was Girl. It? Was Wonder Girl, yeah. They uh, they actually fly into his mouth, and then they're stuck in his mouth, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And Robin happens upon us like, hey, you know, we'll get him to sneeze us out. It worked for Pinocchio. And Wonder Girl makes a comment about how, yeah, another another boy with a wooden head trying to, you know, with, with, trying to, you know, I forget what the exact line was, but it was it was a Pinocchio reference that she was making fun of him for being, uh, you know, dumb as a block of wood. So yeah. it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And right. then basically they, they have a tow cable out of the mouth. What they're in and Superman and Superboy grab it and basically fish the kaiju with a hook out of out of Metropolis and throw them into the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And super. this was uh, old school. Well, not old school. Old school Superboy for me because he was still wearing the it's the clone and he still has the leather jacket. I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting that that's considered old school, like how yeah. how like I think old school. And of course, I'm thinking of Superboy, who actually grew up to be Superman. But right. now, Superboy, yeah, that's why I, that's why I corrected myself. Yeah, the clone Superboy. I mean, this is he's a couple decades old. You know, I mean, this the concept is decades old. It's yeah, time time moves. Can't stop. Can't stop time. It's the fire in which we burn. So. <laughs> okay. Hey, before we talk about the cartoons, I have a comic book recommendation for you, Nathan. And, All right, what's that? And possibly for you, Evan, I'm not sure. But I did okay, a blind bag opening for one of my comic book time machine episodes a few months ago. And uh, which I need I need to catch up on that show. Yeah, well, and in the blind bag, there was a Batman issue that was Batman Night of the Monster Men number one, which was oh. actually a reprinting of Batman number uh seven from rebirth i went because it was so good this is the first time i've actually bought something based on opening a blind bag um but this brought me in this is a six issue crossover series between batman nightwing and detective comics and it's all about batman and his current family of uh heroes fighting kaiju that just pop out of nowhere and he has to figure out where they came from why they came from and and they have to take them down. But it is actual kaiju. Like it's oh wow. There's this what's it called again? Well, the the graphic novel is Batman Night of the Monster Men. Mm-hmm. And I it was so much fun. It was so <laughs> much fun. Even though I don't know who half these people are. <laughs> He's there's a Gotham girl. I don't know who that is. Um yep. there's uh, the signal. Well, uh, Signal's not in here. Uh, spoiler okay. is. I'm not familiar with Spoiler, but isn't that Night Girl or Batgirl? She was Batgirl uh, at one point, but she she's mainly Spoiler. But that's is that the Batgirl you really liked? No, 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 no. That's no? Cassandra okay. Kane. Spoiler okay. is uh, Tim Drake's 
girlfriend, longtime girlfriend. Yeah, I was okay. gonna say uh, the, that was how I knew her. Well, now she's the I she's the daughter case. of a, uh, a like a D level villain, and she she became a superhero to stop her dad. Well, I rest my case in how little I knew about the the current group of of characters, but it is a lot of fun, and it's uh, the villain behind it is Hugo Strange, who is a villain oh, yes. that I have a special affinity for because he was in a comic book when I was a kid, you know, it's that kind of thing. And so, uh, the oh. kaiju there's there's four different kinds of kaiju. One of them is your Godzilla type. One of them is your alien queen mother type. Um, one of them is just plain uh, slime. And, you know, it's just there. there's just a lot of fun to it. So, yeah. Well, then, Ben, in return, I'll give you a comic book recommendation. OK. The, the have you been hearing me on my show talk about the Batman meets Godzilla fan comic? No, I have not. Yeah. The, the, if you, uh, you guess you need to catch up on the show a little yeah, bit. I've I been do. doing little yeah. promos. I've been doing little promos for them the last couple of months. It's actually a fan comic. It is. Based on an a, a real unmade film from the mid-60s, there is a treatment written by William Dozier, a story treatment written by William Dozier, before the Batman 66 series got started. And there was also one written in Japan uh, at Toho. And it was going to be the Adam West Batman meeting the mid-60s Godzilla. They was going to have a movie with them together. Wow. This, yeah, it got us. Like I said, got as far as the story treatment, but it never came to be. So well, this got this got picked up by a, an author I've had on my show a couple times in his book, and now this there's a group of fans who are adapting these story treatments into a three issue comic book that you can go on their website and download and read for free. And <laughs> I bring it up because. The in the original treatment, it was just a generic mad scientist as the villain. So they actually put in an actual Batman villain for the mad scientist, and it's Hugo Strange. Nice. So it's nice. them imagining what would have been a Batman sixty six incarnation of Hugo Strange in this comic book. Well, I mean, Batman Adam West Batman was popular in Japan, and like that was wildly popular and have you read any of the the um batman manga from the 60s no i have not. oh my goodness <laughs> i hear it's it is, i'd love to try it uh, i don't want to use this word too many times because i know i'm going to use it soon for one of the cartoons we talk about but it's delightful it is so <laughs> much fun so much fun and you can get it a couple different ways uh it's been published in two two different formats here in the states but oh yeah. man so much fun but I also bring it up because actually just before you guys uh, came to the island, I had just finished editing and prepping to drop an interview with the guy who's masterminding this. So once we're done recording to, you know, in the next 24 hours or so, you'll be able to hear the interview and get some more information on the comic. Yeah, which will actually be before this episode drops. So yeah, a little timey-wimey <laughs> stuff going on here. But yeah. yeah, you'll still be able to check it out because yours came out first. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Evan, should we talk about a, a animated show here? Yes. Let's first let's talk about a, a theatrical release. Uh, it's a short film that used to play before actual movies. It was a cartoon from the Fleischer Superman series, and it's the Arctic Giant. Which Woo! I, <laughs> which I, 
Well, I actually remembered because someone on Twitter a couple months ago uh, posted something about this. Say, hey, look, Superman is fighting Godzilla back in the 40s. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's been and see, I am ashamed that I didn't remember this because me and my daughter watch this constantly. <laughs> like, we watch oh, it all I'm the sure. time. I'm sure <laughs> you are raising your children well, is <laughs> oh, what you. I have to say. Exposing them to Superman at the earliest possible age. I approve. <laughs> so, all right, this the story for this one's pretty straightforward. Now, in the 40s, they said this is just a this is just a dinosaur. It's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. But it's taller than skyscrapers. And oh, it's like a Tyrannosaurus incredibly Rex. inconsistent. Yeah, yes. Because <laughs> so, first it's it's big enough to fit into the museum, then it's bigger than the museum, then it's big enough, then it's as big as a bridge, and then it's just small enough to stand next to a baseball stadium. <laughs> yes. What, yeah. Whatever was it would give the maximum drama and in a particular scene, but that was how big it was. Here's the thing that surprised me is this is 1942, right? Uh, yeah. this is, this predates, like I'm watching, I'm thinking, oh man, I know they're not ripping off Godzilla, but this feels like 10 million miles to earth. And you know, the, some of that, uh, it's not like that's from 1957. Like this is early, early destructive Kaiju in a city. Yeah. Cause the whole, uh, Evan didn't get to finish it, but the, the story of this one is pretty simple. They find a Frozen dinosaur in Siberia. They bring it back to Metropolis, still frozen. They're going to put it on display in a museum. It gets thawed out, comes back to life, goes on a rampage. Superman jumps in to intervene and keeps it from eating Lois because Lois throws herself at danger <laughs> because it's what she does. Yes. <laughs> the but, only thing she's more in love with than Superman is danger, possibly. So, <laughs> Do you know the most unrealistic part of this whole thing, though? It's just how What's fast that? that ice melted. Like that was <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, yes. it's all, the, the it's thing's like, only eight minutes long. It's like the <laughs> the refrigeration unit shuts off and turns into a, an oven. Like it yeah. jumps from yeah. freezing to danger <laughs> levels of heat. No, that was actually what it said. That was the, I love this thing. This is something you see in a lot of old animated shorts like this. And I love it. I love how the, the temperature gauge has four settings, zero freezing, melting, and danger. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's good stuff. If you've never seen it, you should watch it. Um, and I believe Superman's not flying in this one. He's jumping. It is a hopping, from, yes. Yeah. From, from I, I, I'm on the fence about that. I was trying to figure out, like, is, he is he leaping or is he flying? Because I'm not sure. Well, the thing is. I'm pretty it, sure this is. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say this is one of the ones where it's it, he's dumping. I'm pretty sure because in in some of them he does fly, but in some of them I think it was before they gave him the power to fly. When he jumps, it, it is a an arced leap, and that's what happens in this one. When he flies, he, and sometimes when he jumps, he can kind of control direction a little bit, which that feels more like flying, but maybe it's more gliding and less flying. But uh, but yeah, he in this one he is definitely hopping from place to place. Um, uh, according to my, uh, my quick little Google search here on my phone, <laughs> hanging out on anger is the Superman first flew in 1941, but that would have been on the radio show and, and would have predated the production of this would have started about the same. I mean, yeah, it says he first flew in the cartoons and the radio plays. 
Oh, and then yeah. the first time he and the first time he flew in the comics was 1941. Okay. He's not. It's definitely not a flying style that I'm seeing in this in this episode. Yeah, yeah it's kind of on the fence because the first time he jumps out, it looked like he flew, but the other times it looks like he's leaping. So I was a little confused on that. Yeah. So what's neat about the destruction of the kaiju in this one is it's 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 very different from normal kaiju uh, destruction because the buildings in Metropolis are very well put together. So when he knocks one over. It stays together, even though it's flipped over on one side. And the bridges in Metropolis are incredibly stretchy. Um, <laughs> like, they're almost like rubber bands. So it's it's they've planned ahead for this monster or some other sort of I don't disaster. think that that bridge is that unrealistic as far as the way it was wobbling. Uh, it's, a bridges, it's a suspension bridge. Have He'll you ever that. seen old movies uh, of yeah, well, I guess, shaking I guess you're suspension right. bridges? Yeah, uh, wh- I what I love about this is when he flies in or jumps in to uh, save the people on the bridge as the monster continues on his way. Um, he's under the bridge holding up and he reaches over and then they cut away. And I'm like, what, what's he doing? And they cut away to the monster doing some stuff. And they cut back to him and he's finishing up the job of fixing the bridge. And uh, I'm trying to figure out, is that intentional story plotting or is that let's save money on actually animating him, actually fixing the thing. But it was, <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, the Fleischer Superman stuff is not always the most realistic, but it is always some of the best animation you're going to see. I mean, it's oh, just it is it's so beautiful. good. Nobody, so good. nobody does animation like that anymore. Nobody and did I, back I then. Was, like this was... uh, they did. That's what I mean. They don't do it anymore. And I will tell you stuff like that. I, it was even something like this was definitely meant to be seen on the big screen because a couple of years ago when they did the anniversary re-release for the Christopher Reeve Superman, they played, uh, it was uh, Superman versus the robots or whatever that the one was mechanical called. Mechanical monsters. Mechanical yeah. monsters. That's right. Thank you, Evan. And I will tell you, it was spectacular seeing that one on the big screen, but getting back to this one, that bridge scene that you were mentioning Ben, you know what? It actually was the first thing that went through my head when I saw this. It looks like Godzilla 2014. <laughs> when the mo- when the monster go smashes through that bridge, I'm like, Godzilla 2014 ripped this off. Because there's a scene where Godzilla plows through the, the Golden Gate Bridge. Heck, even Pacific Rim borrowed from it. Because during the montage at the beginning, one of the kaiju attacks a suspension bridge. Well, and I like this because it's pre it's pre World War Two. And so the they're not you the creators of this aren't using war reference and war images of how you would deal with a a monster. They're using uh, riot images. So they're trying to repel the monster with fire hoses and stuff, you know? Well, yeah, the police show up there, there really a, there fast with a, those machine yeah. guns. I, I mean, was yeah. going to say we, there was something like a military response that they came in there, which is. I, I was shocked at how many actual kaiju film and kaiju story tropes we had in this. And this is well before it was a real thing. I mean, the closest you had to this at this point was there were two King Kong movies, you know, within 10 years before this. And, you know, but even then, a lot of the things that we associate with kaiju now were happening in this. Can we talk about the ending, though? The ending to me is oh absolutely not an ending. 
I mean, <laughs> this this is Act One and Act Two of King Kong. Like this is before King Kong goes on the rampage. They 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 shackle this thing and put it on display for the public. Like it just yeah, went. And this comes after Godzilla hog literally hog ties the thing and then punches it in the neck <laughs> to kind of knock it out. And then yeah, it's put on display in a in a zoo. Like what zoo? <laughs> Has the resources? They gotta feed this thing. I mean, Jurassic Park, our competition for the for Monster Island. They couldn't handle this. You would need Monster Island to house this thing. Yeah, this is just set up for the sequel. You know, (laughs) this thing is going to escape, and Superman is going to have to punch it in the throat again. (laughs) But anyway, yes, that is that episode of the these cartoons they're on actually they're all over on youtube because they did lapse into public domain and and so they're all over the place but they're also on dc universe the uh in high definition yeah yeah it looks oh, great are they? because uh i watched it on my uh my old i mean it it, it still looks cool and i still like it i'm gonna keep it but i because I, I have the the 2007 Ultimate Superman DVD collector set and has all of them on there. Yeah, and I also have it on uh, another DVD release that they did um, a couple years before that. But yeah, wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. Yeah. So what's next, Evan? It is Superman, the animated series, my favorite Superman television show. Yes, episode Uh, six, A Little Piece of Home. Right. <laughs> nice. Right. Oh, wait. Nope. No, that's one that 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 I just assumed we were going to be talking about. And so I went ahead and watched big it enough to be a kaiju. It's a T-Rex and it's, it's a, a fake T-Rex. It's a oh, robot T-Rex. The robot T-Rex. It's a robot T-Rex. I don't remember what episode was that. Yep. It's a robot T-Rex brought to life by by I think fake kryptonite or regular kryptonite. I no, can't it's it's Lex Luthor has designed that robot to be remote controllable just in case there's some enemies inside his museum that he needs to destroy with a remote control robot T-Rex. Hey, um, when you're Lex Luthor, why not have a, ro- a, a life-size robot T-Rex as your guard dog? I approve. <laughs> yeah, so, no, he, yeah, he, this is the first episode where he discovers kryptonite, where he and uh, Superman both discover it. And so he lures Superman there so that the the kryptonite i think is tied to the t-rex or something yeah i and, that's actually the first animated series episode i saw when when the show started nice. airing really? and yeah and and so i've actually seen it a handful of times not just uh just like for this the episodes we're watching i've only i've never seen before but this one i was like wait a minute we're not talking about this i'm bringing it up yeah. i don't care well and that one actually did have some greater significance down the road because the, it's revealed later that Superman was so affected by the kryptonite when he was holding the robot dinosaur's jaws open that he actually bled. And then the blood that Lex Luthor collected from that was used to make Bizarro. Oh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Evan, but, tell us the real stuff. <laughs> OK. Yeah, I didn't count, I didn't count dinosaurs. Because then we could we could go into Dinosaur Island. Superman's got some stuff there, and and there's Kryptonian dinosaurs and whatnot. But I didn't think that was big enough. So the ones we're talking about, it's season two episodes. The Promethean is the first one, 
And this one is really cool. I never saw this one as a kid, I don't think. Like, I loved this show. I tried to watch every single episode I could, but I don't think I ever saw this one. And it was pretty, it's pretty neat. So in this one, uh, there's an asteroid poised to hit the Earth. So Superman's going up there to uh, help destroy it. They're going to they're gonna blow it apart. Uh, so it, it just breaks up in the atmosphere. And as they're doing this, they go to the far side of the asteroid and discover a monolithic beast of some kind that is shackled to the dark side of this meteorite. And they're like, oh, we can't blow it up now. And the military trigger happy guy's there, and he's like, yes, we can! <laughs> and he tries to blow it up. Hard <laughs> Castle. Yeah, Which yeah. is a great name, by the way. Yes. And I discovered, digging around on Google, that his first name is Nathaniel. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. Nathaniel Hardcastle. <laughs> so then we discover, much like Superman himself, this creature is powered by the sun. Oh, well, it's not actually the sun. He's powered by heat. And so once the the sun hits him, he revives and then uh, goes down to Earth. And because of the heat of reentry, he's super energized and goes on a rampage, uh, destroying things. Not really maliciously, but he's just looking for more heat and ends up wrecking a bunch of stuff. Yeah, so I was a little bit curious about this, and I wanted to know if this was an actual comic book character. Because yep. you know, I know a lot of the sh- you know the show loved doing stuff like that. And actually, Evan, I the first time I watched this, I was trying to remember because I like you, I tried to watch the show as much as I could when you know, when it was first on. And mm-hmm. it took me about five or ten minutes before I started to remember seeing the episode when I was a kid. So the I do think I saw it. It just took me a little while, but I found out that the Promethean himself in this episode is not a comic book character, but he's based on something from DC comics. And maybe Ben can speak to this because I was unfamiliar with this, but the, they said that he, according to the DC AU wiki, this thing looks like the giants of the Promethean galaxy, which was something created by Jack Kirby as part of fourth world. Yeah. It was in the new gods. And my introduction to this thing or the thing like it anyway, was from an issue of Swamp Thing. Of course uh, it's Swamp Thing. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Uh, the, the cover is what made me buy the issue because, you know, I, there was a while there where I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll just buy random things here and there. And the cover is just Swamp Thing sitting on the shoulder of this Promethean uh, as it's hurling through space, you know, on on the as he's shackled to the, the meteor. They are – Shackled to the source, though, which is at the end of the universe yeah. and um, the source wall. You mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And and so that's they're actually part of like this old gods. Let's see. It's issue 60 something. Um, but it's just one of those like just wackadoo funky covers. I'm like, I'm, I'm getting this. I'll read it <laughs> when it's part of a collection, maybe, you know, but it's actually a standalone issue. I went ahead and read it. I'm not that far in my reading of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. Uh but I went ahead and skipped ahead to read this one and it's a standalone issue. It has to do with, uh, um, Oh, what's his name on the Mobius chair? Metron. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's Metron and swamp thing shows up and, uh, the, the Promethean is really not even a, a part of the plot of that issue. That was my experience with that was, I saw this comic book one day a couple years ago and thought that's awesome. Um, 
but looking into it here, yeah, it's it's a, a part of some things that Jack Kirby made up for the New Gods, and um, yeah, it's it's a just a cool concept in general, and they use it well here, uh, just making it be this creature for Superman to defeat and. But I like that they have like the classic monster tropes, like the the size of the creature is not consistent, which no. is just classic <laughs> uh, kaiju thing to do. They have to fight it with the thing that it most needs, you know, like it. Yep. You know, uh, it, the it military intervenes and it doesn't work. <laughs> and so they, they oh, hey, we're going to throw this is hotter than hotter than napalm, a thousand times hotter than napalm. We're going to drop it on that thing. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So their their weapon is what feeds it, you know. Yeah, uh, but then also the fact that as as Superman is fighting this thing, they don't play it up very well. But it is tragic because the monster itself is not evil, you know. Like it's just no. it's just trying no. to survive, and you have Superman luring it away to where to its doom. Except, and, I was thinking about that because when the I can't remember the the scientist's name now, um, but he was digging around because the there was a signal a binary signal that came with the thing on the asteroid. He was deciphering it and he found out its origin story. And it sounds like this thing went berserk because it was created. It's an artificial being. It was created to do manual labor Mm -hmm. and it was fed off and it fed off of this alien race's son. Well, eventually it got to the point where the sun would no longer satisfy. It wanted more. So it would start attacking things, and then this race attached it to the asteroid and shot it into space. But that's the classic Frankenstein tragedy, where they created it to be that way, and then they had to kill it or destroy it. And they couldn't kill it, so they launched it into space with the message to try and help people to realize you shouldn't go near this thing and let it loose. Yeah, I was just just that I was wondering, like, is it – is if this thing's guilty of anything, is it guilty of – like a form of gluttony or greed because it was, it had to keep eating more and it was never satisfied with what it was getting. That's what I got out of it where it's, he's not totally innocent because he's, he's going out of the bounds of what he was created for. Yeah. And even, even Frankenstein's monster was guilty of things. I mean, he did murder people intentionally. <laughs> yeah. It, depending on which version you're looking at, but it's still I'm talking a, about the, I'm talking about the original novel. Yeah. It's but. still a tragedy though. Like yes. Frankenstein's monster is a, a tale of tragedy. And this is a tale of tragedy, a sentient being that was created and created with a flaw. And it's the flaw. It wanted to hunger. This is not a thing that has much choice. Like it was created to work for these people and to consume heat. Like that's, that's it. It's not, it's not terribly evil here. Like if it, if it's evil, it's just because it's part of a fallen world, not because mm-hmm. it's choosing to do these bad things and and hurt people. I don't I don't think it even recognizes that people are a thing that exists. I, I think it's true. just there's there's little yeah, things that get not in the way. Unless, yeah, not yeah, not unless they they get in the way. And I, I find it interesting. You know, we're talking about some of the kaiju trips that's fall that it's fall that this episode's following. You know, another one that happens. The I mentioned the military solution fails. And then what does solve the problem? It's science. Mm-hmm. That's a thing you'll see a lot in particularly Japanese kaiju films. It's the military fails, but the scientific solution or another kaiju solves the problem. Usually and, it's a combination of the two. And honestly, it's the military that causes the problem in the first place. Because yes. if they had taken the time to decode the message, they would have been able to figure out a different solution. Instead, it got released. 
because yeah. of what they chose to do. Yeah. And I think I know why so many of these Japanese kaiju tropes are in this episode. It's because this episode had a Japanese director. Nice. I caught that uh, during the credits. Nobuo Toma, Tomizawa. So like, oh, no wonder. <laughs> um, one thing I love about this show is that they they take their time with the physics and the mechanics of how things work with Superman in the world. So it's like he's fast and strong, but it's not like we're going to make him as fast and strong as we need to be to accomplish the plot. Like, you know, he's uh, he's going at a, at a rate with it's super fast, but you can still follow what's going on. It's not like unreasonably, you know, fantastic. Like I like the part where everything goes dark and Superman has to keep heat visioning this steel girder with enough heat yeah, to lure, really cool. lure the yes. monster. You know, it's like mm -hmm. it's like they're taking their time. You know, they're letting it sink in and be a little bit more realistic. And they do that a lot in the show. And I really like it. Yeah, but that yeah, brings up a nitpick Bruce... for me. Oh, okay. what's that? In this episode, I have a nitpick. It takes the same amount of effort on Superman's part to move the asteroid five degrees off as it takes to move the boat to to turn <laughs> into the wave. Like there's this this uh, large yacht and he's just turning the yacht so it can turn into the wave that's coming because of the creature that landed in the water. And I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's like the same amount of effort going into both of these tasks. Uh, okay, can I try nitpick. my hand at a can it's I a try nitpick. my hand at a no prize? Yeah, sure. Zero G. Yeah. And that <laughs> he did the boat after he had just dropped out of orbit and gotten, you know. I don't his know the power levels of Superman at this point in the cartoon, but I do think that maybe he could lift the boat. I don't know. I don't know. One thing I like about this Superman also is that he he's a he's a weaker Superman. Uh, like he gets he, he can stand up to bullets. But like if you have a 50 caliber machine gun, it's going to knock him over. You know, it's not going to pierce the skin, but it's going to knock him over. And I like that. Or at least push him back. Yeah. 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 So Although I also they uh, Justice League Unlimited later tried to kind of address that a little bit because he tells dark sides. You know, it's like I spend my whole life walking around like a person like i will live in a world made of paper but you can take it can't you pick man he just yeah. unloads on him completely but so that's I mean, also that seems to imply that the whole time he's trying to hold back because he doesn't want to smash everything but that's also a lot further in his career as well in the continuity so i, I feel like he just gets stronger and stronger as he well lives. i feel like even at the power level that he's at right now he probably still has to hold back and pretend like the world's made out of paper Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, no, Bruce, Tim and his and those guys intentionally wanted to scale back his power level a little bit just to make it easier to write stories, which is a classic problem, apparently, with people trying to write Superman. Yeah, if they say so. <laughs> I disagree with them. I do, too. But I'm also not writing Superman. So what can I say? Yeah. Never have, uh, never I, will. I, I yeah, which is unfortunate. I do want to throw a couple things out here. Did you guys think with uh, with this art style, you know, this Bruce Tim art style, did you think that the Promethean looked just a tiny bit like Clayface because he looked like Clayface or Korg to me? Yeah, he felt Jack Kirby-ish though. Like I, I, I'm, I'm being brought in by the the Kirbyness of of the, yeah. the design there. They cram a bunch of Kirby stuff into this show, uh, and I like it. Um, I do have two more nitpicks. 
Okay. Uh, one is they talk about this monster. It's too big to be a submarine or even a pod of whales. And then they show the monster holding the submarine and it's not that big. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not. And the other one is I'm just really curious what kind of uh, barbecue picnics uh, Superman throws back in Smallville because um, uh, the, uh, the general yells out, it's, it's going to be a down home barbecue. And Superman says after it doesn't work, well, you better hold off on the marshmallows. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you don't you don't roast marshmallows over a barbecue? What what kind of picnic are they having? That that's Superman's reference point. Like, just felt apparently, a little bit off. The, apparently, barbecues are a little different in Kansas. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, but All I right. like the episode. It's good. Great. Let's. Talk about what? Monkey fun. Monkey fun. My daughter's favorite episode. Of course it would be her favorite episode. This is a classic Silver Age Superman villain modernized for this television show. Yep, Titano. It, yes. <laughs> and here they've they've made it so it was Lois's, because Lois is a, a military brat, or an army brat, and she, she was on a military base with her dad, and they were testing... Uh, rockets with a monkey and they shot the monkey into space and he used to be Lois's pet monkey or the, the monkey got to stay with them yeah. and uh, they lost they lost the monkey in space 20 years later uh, they they find the monkey or Superman finds the monkey while he's protecting a space station he was crammed in an asteroid brings him back to earth and the radiation from the asteroids they later find out is making the monkey grow at uh, an accelerated rate and eventually he becomes a kaiju sized monkey and they have to figure out a way to stop him. I love the way that they, to bring up from the other podcast, they MCU the name of Titano. <laughs> yes. They, yes. Titan I mean, they Zero. named him Titano, but the rocket ship he was going on is the Titan Zero. Yep. And <laughs> I'm thinking when they first mentioned the name, hey, Lois, it's time for Titano to go. And I'm just like, they just named this regular size, maybe even small size chimp Titano. But, but then they cut to the rocket. And I'm like, oh, it all makes sense. This works. This works well. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, the other thing is I was with with this episode, I was reminded of Terror on the Midway. Uh, from the Fleischer Superman series. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which Terror on the Midway is another one that we potentially could have thrown in here. Because it has a the monkey's not that big. It's not. It's not a monkey. First of all, it's a gorilla. <laughs> what? It's larger <laughs> than normal, but not that you much. Veggie tails. Yes. If it has yes, a tail. Yes. It's a monkey. If it doesn't, it's an ape. That's right. But anyway, it's it's very much a King Kong style of story that goes on, on in Terror of the Midway, and uh, but he also fights lions in Terror on the Midway, which was also happening in this episode. And yeah. it just it's when I was watching this episode, I was like, this reminds me of a Fleischer episode. And I had I had to look it up to see which one I was thinking of. And sure enough, then when I rewatched it, I was like, yep, I'm reminded of this. I've watched this episode so many times <laughs> because my daughter loves it. And I've just been able to notice many, many flaws, uh, even some animation <laughs> flaws. <laughs> That's when um, you know you've watched it too many times. Yes. And me and my wife always make fun of the fact that when they, Clark and D Professor Hamilton suggest that Lois take in the monkey to reacclimate him 
to to Earth, she's like, oh, no, 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 I have a tiny apartment. And then we see oh Lois's apartment. Oh, my gosh, that was, I, that's in my notes. I'm like, tiny apartment? You're, <laughs> I think your living room is the size of my entire apartment here on Monster Island. What, yeah. <laughs> what frame of reference do you have? Unless it was Lois trying to BS her way out of doing it. Could be. That could be. Because could be. she's got like she has the penthouse of yeah, her seriously. It's with a so balcony. Mind, by the by the middle of the episode, she may not have it anymore. But. Well, I do like how she basically her social life is over once she brings this chimpanzee in. And yes. She she can't get out, she can't leave, she's just really tired. I mean, this is this is motherhood for her right now. Having a <laughs> monkey was a lot more fun when mom did the cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually, kind of going back to that a little bit, I actually, when they had the scene where the they they launched the Titan Zero, and they actually have Lucy and Lois there with her dad watching it go off, like, did this subtly become a camera movie for a minute? Because they have the kids hanging out in the base and watching stuff going on. <laughs> I, um, I honestly thought that we were going to end up with uh, Lois Lane, King Kong kind of situation. Where she too, would be actually. the monkey's fixation because of their friendship, not because of romance, but because it is her friend and and it's choosing to take her with him. But instead, it's it's not at all that at all. It's it's just her trying to find the right uh, Beppo stuffed animal, which is that's a nice callback right there. eh? The the I Beppo. I don't know what you're talking about. Mr. Beppo, Canada. super monkey. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Super Monkey from Golden Age Comics is named Beppo the Super Monkey. This is the first time I've ever made that connection. Wow. That's good on you, Ben. Yeah, I'm I'm proud of myself. But um, (laughs) anyway, I I thought that she was going to be the, you know, I thought they were going to end up on top of a building with him holding her and Superman having to rescue her. Instead, instead it becomes Beast from 20,000 Fathoms because they go to a theme park. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and they do some good stuff. I love it when uh, Bibbo Babowski just oh, I, I hits, him, hits him with the newspaper. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> no, bad monkey. And then he calls him Cheetah. Then, yeah. That's a Tarzan <laughs> reference there because Tarzan's monkey was named Cheetah. And then Titano kills Bibbo by does. throwing him across the river into a garbage barge and he dies. Seriously, he, no, he doesn't. I was, he should have. He should have, yes. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, is Bimbo he gonna... is too tough to die by falling in garbage. He's what are you talking throw about? Throw him in the water? Nope. <laughs> he hits the one. Like, he actually hits the hardest target. Yes. <laughs> the worst like he's possible going target. really fast. Like, yeah. He should be dead. <laughs> but it's Bimbo. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to keep saying that. It's Bimbo. Come on. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah. Patrick Warburton does the voice. I mean, <laughs> so this is the episode that made me think of uh, King Kong 76. And that is because you have um, uh, Titano is looking around and he sees this, uh, the ride, the rocket ride at the, at the carnival. And, and then it fades into his actual rocket and then fades back. Yes. And it just reminded me of that scene in 76 where uh, the twin towers remind King Kong of his home and you fade into the home a couple of mountains yeah and and you just do this you know so that we can get the reference because we saw it 
earlier in the in the show or in the movie. Uh, but they just want to remind you because it's been two two hours since since you saw that. But it, that was a, my reminder of, of Kong seventy six was was that little fade away to his memory. Yeah, it's also interesting how they defeat Titano in this because it's not how you would necessarily expect. I mean, the in the you know in the other stuff that we've talked about, you know, about Superman will punch the monster out, or through, there's a they use science. You know, like with the the Promethean, they use essentially a gigantic version of a first aid ice pack to defeat the monster and freeze him. Makes me wonder if he's still there. But you know, in this one, it's not even Superman who defeats Titano. It's actually Lois using the little toy monkey that would play Pop Goes the Weasel, which is where the title of the episode comes from. Well, and, and that's honestly, uh, once you saw that first scene, I expected this to be the ending was oh yeah it makes total the, sense that that yeah. would happen it's just it's interesting that the problem is not solved by superman punching it <laughs> but the problem is solved by taking this giant chimp to its own island yep <laughs> and, <laughs> so that's cool it becomes the champion of all the monkeys absolutely <laughs> <little> monkey minions <laughs> Uh, the other thing I found interesting is as Superman, first of all, is getting aggressive and fighting this thing, he gets humiliated. Like he gets <laughs> he thrown, does. he gets thrown across the carnival, lands on the, the feet of strength hammer thing, and the bell falls off and, and hits him on the head. And yeah, then he gets yeah. drenched with water later on. And then um, in the House of Mirrors, uh, he lands in such a place that he just looks like a total fool. And I, th- I thought that was really interesting and intentional. The first time it happened, I was like, oh, that's kind of funny, the bell. And then I'm like, wait a minute. They're doing this intentionally. Every time he goes after this thing, it knocks him back and and puts him in a position that's really unflattering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, because maybe this plays into that a little bit where Superman might not be – because he's not using the right approach with this. No, he's not. Because he – it even puts – Uh, his relationship with Lois to the test because he's like, I'm sorry, Lois, I can't listen to you. Your monkey friend's going down. Yeah. And that was a really interesting moment because I mean, it's a kind of a prideful moment in some ways where he's just, I've had it with this thing. (laughs) I'm I'm Can I bring up my own little nitpick about that line? Yeah. Okay. We, uh, Lois at this point doesn't know Clark is Superman. We know that Clark has seen Superman and no, excuse me. We know that Clark has seen Titano since he's come back and he know, and Lois told him, Oh yeah, he used to be my pet monkey. He's my friend. Lois doesn't stop and think, how does Superman know that the monkey is my friend? <laughs> well, Superman is the one who brought the monkey back. And then the military figured out that what, what type of, or yeah. who he was. And then they called Lois to come to the lab, you know, so. Okay. There's my no prize. Maybe. Um, <laughs> and I love how, okay. how Lois' okay, dad no races in to save the day. Yeah. She's like, Daddy? <laughs> I've got something that might help. Yeah. <laughs> also, I wrote down what, uh, I, uh, what for me were I thought were the best lines of the episode. The the first one was I think it was uh what's her name the the lady cop I think they said her name was Maggie Maggie Sawyer yeah Maggie yeah Sawyer. Maggie Sawyer that's right see it's been so long since I've watched the show that some of the names are slipping my mind but she, you know they they show up and they see Titano and she says criminals madmen and aliens I can handle but this <laughs> yeah that's good 
And then the other one was uh, was Lois, because there's a point where they have the little toy monkey that plays music, but then Titano knocks over a game with all the prizes. There's a bunch of plush monkeys, and hers gets mixed in with all of them, and hers is the only one that plays music. And so they're picking, they're sifting through her and Jimmy are sifting through all of them to find them. And she tells Jimmy, "Shut up and keep squeezing the monkeys," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds sounds hilarious both in and out of context. Yes, very funny. Uh, all right. That's a good one. So moving on to the Justice League. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So these two are in Justice League Unlimited. So Batman, the animated series, Superman, the animated series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond. They're all in the same continuity. So Justice League is about the seven heroes, uh, the the, the main roster of the Justice League. And then Justice League Unlimited, they they expand the roster to nearly every DC superhero. And uh, then we get to see, you know, more minor superheroes doing stuff. And so this first one is the very first episode of justice league unlimited uh, initiation, where they are trying to recruit uh, green arrow to be a part of this thing. And Batman wants him in there to be the justice league's conscience. Cause he's a guy with no powers and even less resources than Batman. And uh, you know, mixed in with all these people with incredible stuff. And so they have to go and fight a giant uh, kaiju monster in an Asian country. It's uh, a where Chong Mi. Yeah, yes. Chong Mi yep. is the name of the place. Basically North Korea. Yes. Yeah, I, mean, they're, they're, I was thinking, it was like, it's either Red China or North Korea. They're isolated. Sure which... They're isolated from the rest of the world. And you can get charged with treason as an American for entering the country. So, yep. yeah. Uh, and they don't want help from the Justice League, and that mm-hmm. that was a nice little wrinkle there. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a giant radioactive robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they send it was Green Arrow, Supergirl, which is why we're talking about it now, and the who else? Uh, Captain Captain Adam. Adam. Yep. Yeah. And is that everybody? Oh, and Green Lantern, John Stewart Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. he was there too. Yes. And, and Green Arrow well, is only there because he's hitching a ride back to the back mm-hmm. to earth he doesn't want to use the transporter but um yeah he's like dr mccoy he yeah. doesn't like transporters i love the line where he's talking to captain adam he's like so you're basically your radiation inside that suit and captain Adam's like yeah i don't have it's a body anymore energy and, yeah. and <laughs> green arrow says you know what i think i think you're everything i i uh marched against in, in, in college yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah he's this military radiation blob in a suit <laughs> great line yeah yeah, it's a great line but i also thought jerk move green arrow jerk move well he's kind of a jerk (laughs) but he's a lovable jerk dog he is he's a lovable jerk (laughs) if you say so uh but he's he's (laughs) he's getting his uh one-liners from superman i think you know because superman had that really awesome hold off on the marshmallows line uh (laughs) oh yeah except in this episode he Except in this episode, when Superman does his speech, I was like, "Is there a? T- do I detect a tinge of cynicism there?" Because he's saying, "Like all of us bring something different to the uh, to the Justice League, Str- whether it be strength, speed, or whatever." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's exactly the whole point with Green, Green Arrow. Why Batman wants Green Arrow on the team is he'll keep us honest, you know. And you have this idea of all these gods, basically." And he, I mean, Green Arrow even calls it Olympus. He's like, I don't want to stay on Olympus. Um, yeah. 
and he brings humanity to it. But uh, Green Arrow's one-liner in this one that just hit me the wrong way is he shoots the final arrow to destroy the creature. And he says, say, ah, dirtbag, shoots the arrow, but the arrow shoots him. It's right in the center of his chest, right in the sternum. Like, say, ah, dirtbag, but I'm going to miss your mouth. I'm the best shot in the world. And I'm I'm referencing your mouth, but I am not going to shoot you there. So, but Ben, I, I love care. that line. I didn't care. I, it was a, I liked it. It's the best line in the whole episode. I, it I is know, Super not Girl, the best Super line Girl in the whole episode. A, Supergirl had a good one too, because she said uh, when all the guys were arguing, she says, "All right, if you're if you're done playing Alpha Male SmackDown, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's cool. I like the monster because it's just like incredibly powerful." And yeah, well, none of them I, can stop it. I found out that he's actually a comic book character. He's Brimstone. I think I knew that at some point. <laughs> they never call him Brimstone, but he's supposed to be Brimstone. And now he's different than he is in the comics. In the comics, he was a creation of Darkseid, and he was not gigantic. Yeah, but in this com- in this cartoon, he looks like a Kirby creation. He does. Like, I, I love the design on this, and... I mean, how many flaming skulls are you ever going to see in your life? A lot. If you're into comic <laughs> if books, you comic books, if you're into yeah. comic Ghost books, you're going to see a lot. Skull, but blight. This, <laughs> this thing had a good look and oh, yeah, the, the yeah. bulkiness of it and the, the production design on that creature uh, was, well, was great. And I just love him because, you know, like they're doing everything to stop. The military can't stop him. The just these guys try to stop him. He seemingly kills Captain Adam, who's one of the powerhouses of the Justice League. He, and he almost can absorb radiation. Yeah, and he almost kills Green Lantern. And then Supergirl's going to go fight him, but she's like ragged, and it's up to her and Green Arrow who can do almost nothing <laughs> against this thing. Yeah. And it it's a great episode. It's like a it's a real struggle for them to beat him, and I like it. Yeah, but then well, of course the, it's not the irony. But then the irony of the whole thing is that it's Green Arrow, the guy without any superpowers, who ultimately defeats him. And I was, I thought that was really interesting. That they found a way for this, you know, non-superpowered hero to actually take down the big crazy monster. You know, it's very much a David and Goliath. Yeah, but that's sort the whole of point situation. of the episode is mm-hmm. is to get you to that point where it's him taking down the creature. Uh, but then it's him sticking around, not because of Batman's, you know, faith in in what Green Arrow brings to the the team. <laughs> it's because oh, there's Black Canary. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll oh, stay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just remembered I'm Green Arrow. I'm supposed to be in love with her <laughs> because yeah. the comics tell me so. And so I was watching this one with my son, and my son's like, "What does she do?" And I'm trying to explain his her power to him, and then. In the credits, the opening credits for this episode, the next episode we're going to talk about, shows are using her powers. Like, hey, that's how that's how it works. There it is. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, the, we're, we've been talking a lot about everybody else, but Supergirl has her own little subplot in this as well because she's not getting along with Green Lantern because he thinks that she's impulsive and that the only reason that she's here is because of her cousin. Well, this and is her first real mission. Of, yeah, and over the course of the episode, she proves that you know yes she's headstrong and she's impulsive and she ran off and did you know half cocked doing everything 
And he even tells her at the end, because, you know, he got hurt. And he said, you know, if you ever do that again, I'll make sure you get kicked off the league. But you did good. <laughs> well, but she says, this is where you tell me I did good, right? And he's like, yeah, if you don't blah, blah, blah. And you did good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's nice, though, there's a little bit of connective tissue just as far as her character arc between these two episodes that we're talking about, between this yep. this one and the next one. Because in the next one, she's full-on team member. She's changed her outfit uh, to look mm-hmm. more like Superman. And it's 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 nice yeah, they, to see they got see away from the because uh, the the design that they had used because she showed up in Superman the animated series first and the costume design that they were using was the it wasn't Kara it was the was it Matrix because no, they had it, a Supergirl in the nineties after Kara died but it wasn't Kara no the uh, the costume the costume originated in the animated series. Really? Because I could have yeah. swore that they had a different. Maybe I'm thinking they, of something else. They brought it into the comics after it was in the. Oh, okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But yeah, okay. I, I but do yeah, like but then, the... the. But then they switched her to the more tra- one of the more traditional comic book costumes, which is just the the blue and the red instead yeah, yeah. of instead of the white t shirt and I, the skirt. I like the idea of the uh, Supergirl with the white t shirt, and then you have Superboy with a black t shirt, and. Uh, yeah. not, not that they're all not that they're together very much, but but the idea of just those the, the, the dichotomy there of how they're they're both separating themselves from Superman, but at the same time, not, you know, they still got the S shield, but it's 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 not a blue shirt, you know, and and then, you know, when she's in the blue shirt for this next episode, we're going to talk about. Yep. Uh, so let's move on to that one. And Ben, why don't you go ahead and give us the episode description? <laughs> so, <laughs> pre-credit, basically, um, it's it's Green Lantern, right? It's Supergirl. Yep. It's yep. Star, and it's Stripe. And Star is a younger uh, hero. Her stepdad is Stripe, who is a um, cybernetic cyborg hero kind of guy. Uh, Star has the Star She's Star staff. Girl. Star I Girl. Say, I thought it was Star Girl. Well, it's no, it's yeah, Star and Stripe is the name of the comic book yeah. that they were in. Yeah, it's based off of the original duo, Star and Stripe, and this is the new iteration where it's Star Girl. And oh, I thought that they was the same iteration, but it doesn't matter. She's got okay. the Star Staff that Star Man has, but um, yeah, they they uh, they fight Gamera. Yes. Basically, <laughs> I mean, it is straight oh, up Gamera. Yeah. No, I looked it up. It was intentionally. Yeah, uh, it was it, an intentional homage to Gamera. It's in because they're, they're in Tokyo or at least and they're in Japan. It's a giant turtle. He spins around like a flying saucer to fly. No, I, I, it was cool. My my son was like, oh, this is this is Gamera. And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, it's spinning around the UFO style of flying that, that Gamera did with the jets coming out of the leg holes, all of that. It, uh, my son noticed, though, of course, that um when he sticks his arms and legs out of the shell and his head, he, he does take on more of a, um, a Godzilla style of look, uh, yeah. and, and less, less gamma, more Godzilla. But, um, I mean, that's the Kaiju part really. Then yeah. after they're well, done then with he, that then after mission, they, uh, put him on a ship, he shrinks like a demutated Ninja turtle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, or what, <laughs> What uh, what the kid in the first Gamera movie thought actually happened was you know, that his <laughs> yeah. his little turtle had turned into Gamera. But um, <laughs> then they leave. They fly over the North Pole and their uh, javelin gets sucked into a portal that takes them to Skartaris or however you say that, 
where Scarteris. Where you find the warlord. Yeah. <laughs> and the warlord is in battle with his arch enemy Demos. And uh <laughs> that might have no, they said Demos, I think, in the in the show. I always said it Demos, but anyway. I, think that, I thought they said Demos. Warlord said Demos. is a center of the earth, hollow earth uh concept from DC Comics, long lasting series. Uh, about a guy named Morgan who gets he's he's a human. It's 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 John Carter kind of thing where he gets brought into this place under the earth where there's dinosaurs and and magicians and and uh, warriors and and they ride dinosaurs like the first comic that they had. They rode a raptor, uh, you know, yeah. like the, it's just all there, you know, they and, fight lizard people. Yep. Yep. And there's a battle for a, be- this powerful stone, this powerful stone being a giant giant boulder of kryptonite they have the battle metallo is there and banshee what's her real name though silver banshee silver banshee is there they're there silver for banshee. the kryptonite oh and also the they have we kind of sort of get more kaiju because they have giant dinosaurs that they ride and <laughs> with laser cannons laser on their cannons. Back. Yeah. they have laser cannons no metallo and metallo and banshee have brought technology to the world and now the the bad guys are attacking it's lord of the rings with a giant waves of attacks you know from the bad guys but they have technology with lasers and all that kind of stuff um have you guys ever seen a movie called dragon wars yes (laughs) yeah that's what this (laughs) reminded me of i've only seen it once and weirdly enough, it was in a movie theater. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, I saw it in the theater and bought it on DVD. And I really appreciate what they were trying to do with that movie. I really yeah. appreciate what they were trying to do with that movie. By the I way, saw... by the way, that is the most expensive movie ever made in South Korea. Just so you know, <laughs> I saw the preview for that. And then when we were doing an all nighter at my friend's house in high school, I, I brought it. I think it's for somebody's birthday. I'm like we, we watch this. So at like 2 a.m., we start this thing. Everybody, including me, falls asleep in the first 15 minutes. And then I wake up halfway through the movie and I'm watching and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. What is going on? <laughs> that is a legitimate reaction. <laughs> there is a point in the movie where you can just look and say they ran out of movie and can't finish the story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well, they ran out of money. What can you do? So I, I gave up trying to understand and fell back asleep. So I, yeah. I've only seen like a collective 10 minutes of that movie. <laughs> I will tell you, though, watching this episode, I wrote several times in my notes. This is so metal. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, it, it really it really is. It is. And that's, that's <laughs> the whole point of Warlord is, is he's just this human who has to adopt the barbarian lifestyle. But he has a gun. i'm a barbarian with a gun that helps you know but anyway (laughs) that sounds sounds like a title of something waiting to happen they they finish the battle warlord defeats his arch nemesis maybe because there's no body so no body no dead but uh that fight had my favorite line of the episode which was uh demos and he says i was hoping to kill you today I love that. He says it so casually. The delivery is what does it. I love the battle, though, where they're fighting. They're sword fighting each other. Their swords get knocked out of their hands. They switch swords. And then Warlord breaks his own sword with Demos's sword. And it's just 
slice. Okay. I'll, I'll take that, you know, and, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, that's, that's the primary plot. Uh, Metallo and Banshee get captured. They're trying to figure out there's a, maybe some sort of season long kind of thing going on where they're trying to figure yeah, out yeah. why are they doing this? What are they, um, that, what do they I think at that point it was, uh, I want to no, that was before this. I want to say, I wanted to say it was Cadmus, but I think that was before this. Yeah. It's Gorilla Grodd and Lex Luthor and they're running that's the, right. the Legion of Superheroes or supervillains. Oh, Legion or of Doom. Or yeah, that's was, it. Yeah. yeah. Legion of Doom. That's it. Uh, but the good guys win. And the nice twist here was that Green Lantern was going to take the kryptonite. And they're like, no, this is actually a good thing. I love it. Supergirl says this is one place where kryptonite does good because it actually has healing properties for the people there. And uh, and so they leave it there, but they seal up the portal so no one else can get back to this place, which I don't know if they ever return in the show, but – you're not no, because this was the last season of Unlimited. In fact, yeah. this season actually wasn't even going to happen. the The first season went with the episode epilogue. That was supposed to be the actual ending, but uh, I can't. I think it was Cartoon Network or whatever wanted more episodes. They said, "Okay, we'll give you thirteen more, but we're gonna make thirteen episodes where we focus on the B list characters." Well, my understanding about season. focusing on the B list characters is because you had the. The Nolan movies, and so Batman was kind of off the table. They couldn't use any of the the Vertigo characters. They couldn't use people who were on TV or in other animated movies or anything like that. So for Justice League, they could use Batman, but they couldn't use any of his supporting cast. Okay, they could use Alfred. I think was the only one. So, but anyway, in the Joker, this was the episode that just warmed my heart. Even though the kaiju <laughs> stuff was done in four minutes, and that was enough that it was Gamera, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so much fun! And then all of a sudden, we're in Warlord. What? Like, <laughs> this is so great. Yeah, I wrote down. I wrote down in my notes that you know, I said Ben is going to love this. Yeah, <laughs> this this is pure, unadulterated Ben Avery. Is you this are, episode? You are not wrong. If I if I wanted to, if someone ever said, how would you? summarize Ben Avery as a person, as a writer or whatever. I was just watch this episode. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that was missing was a little bit of time travel in a swamp monster. And it would have been yeah. like just everything me. So, yeah. <laughs> I love- then, then, well, then they should have made the Kaiju a swamp monster from the future. That's what they should. <laughs> yeah, but it was Gamera. That's the other. I mean, it's, just, it's Gamera. <laughs> Anyway. One of my favorite parts in it is there's a subplot where Stargirl is very jealous of Supergirl and uh, because you know, she's Supergirl. And uh, they they finish with uh, Gamera and then they go and there, there's people having a Supergirl convention and all of their in Tokyo. All of their cosplay is the old costume with the white shirt. Yeah, because she like, just changed it. That's they, so they, like, oh, OK, yeah. The other great nice little detail was here. Yeah, because, where she's like, she's very big in Japan. <laughs> no, well, and then, uh, but then Star Girl uh, says, "It's like, hey, my dad's a Mecca," and the Jap and the her, the little fangirl just walks up to her. She's like, "Eh, Mecca so last year." <laughs> Don't you talk about Supergirl? Oh, what was it? She, she could. You don't know away. anything about but Supergirl. <laughs> I want to. Okay, here's a nitpick for the episode. These these people 
We're throwing a Supergirl convention in the middle of a kaiju attack, and it looks like they don't care that there was a kaiju attack. I'm sure they started the convention before the kaiju attack happened. Yeah, but they were still doing the doing the. Convention. Uh, they were running out to see what's going happen. on. It was a very small convention, by the way. Like that's, I think those <laughs> half was, dozen people were but, it. You know, but. I also, I'm also remembering this is Japan. A kaiju attack happens every other Tuesday. So true. All right. It, by the way, if you would like to finish uh, Supergirl's arc, you can watch the episode Far From Home, which is episode ten of season two of Justice League Unlimited, and that finishes her kind of evolution as a character. If you're interested in that excellent and you you might be because it guest stars more things that you like all right including time travel very cool i w- i might check it out i might there's a lot of other things i need to watch right now but... join the club <laughs> hey yeah. uh what are your final words on this then superman you? versus giant monsters is fun Yep. Well, if I was going to make a a weak spiritual connection, because I know you guys love that on this Ooh, show, weak, weak connection. Uh, yep. I, I'm yeah, I'm reminded of the passages in Job about Behemoth and Leviathan, and how God tells Job that even though these are large, mighty creatures, that he is more powerful than they are and can easily defeat them. So if you want to use the Christological parallels with Superman because Lord knows everybody does. <laughs> I do think those passages would be applicable to these situations, to these stories. And I, I think it was interesting in both Promethean and Monkey Fun, the, just the whole idea of Superman fighting something that's not an evil person, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and just seeing, especially in Monkey Fun, just his kind of pride I guess I, I, for lack of a better term, I, I'm going with pride, but just the idea of, uh, you know, this thing's going down, you know, and, and just not being himself in Promethean. There's just that tragedy of he is leading this thing to its death and it, it's just following instinct, you know, it's just hungry. And so it's following him because there's heat and it just, it just feels so, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I, I, that was the most interesting thing for me. But then I had a lot of fun with chaos at the Earth's core. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's our episode. Then, thank you everyone for listening, Nathan. Before we leave, uh, would you mind telling us where can people find you online, uh, or I guess more specifically, where can they find Monster Island to visit you via <laughs> podcast? <laughs> well, the the podcast website is monsterislandfilmvault.com. You can also follow the podcast on social media on Twitter. Our handle is the Monster Isla One. The and we you can search us on Facebook. Although I think there Facebook does this at thing like a handle thing like Twitter now. But it, if you want to look th- like that, it, if you want to look for it through that, it's at Monster Island Film Vault. And we're also on Instagram. And I'm also a writer and an author, so you can check out my website, NathanJSMarchand.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at NathanMarchand7, and I also have a professional Facebook page that's called The Worlds of Nathan Marchand. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate you letting us us come to your island 
mm-hmm. but but appreciate you joining us here on on this podcast. So thanks. Uh, I would be more than happy to come back. Hopefully it next time it can be hopefully it can be about something entirely unrelated to kaiju because every time I've been on the show it's been about kaiju. This is a step in the right direction. We get to talk about Superman too. So it's just easy this way. That's I know. <laughs> so that's our episode. Last chance for final words. Yes. No. I, I looked for a good quote in my Superman comic and I couldn't find one. So. Okay. Well, at least there's a little bit of prep- preparation ahead of time. So I tried. Yeah. I'm just going to say thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys listening, and hopefully this is a little bit of fun for you as you are either coming out of quarantine or hunkering down as you're doing that shelter in place or whatever they call it. But um, whatever you're doing, we want to wish you uh, just a good day, good night, whatever time of the day it is. Uh, here on Monster Island, it's, it's evening. We need to get out of here before the – the dangerous ones come out. I don't know how dangerous it gets here, Nathan, but I'm feeling a little nervous. Uh, it's still safer than Skull Island, let All me right, tell right. you. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting on Gamera's head, so there's there's that as well. But uh, I want to thank you so much for listening and wish you ever, wish everyone Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery. Evan David. Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter where we are at strangeandalien or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening. She's very big in Japan.